right. So have you ever had a stain on a piece of clothing that you love, like maybe a brand new shirt or a, a new blouse or something that just fit just right? And you try to get it off. You try to wipe it clean and nothing worked. Has that ever happened to you? Like you get like vinegar and baking soda and you scrub the thing and nothing works. Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever had a stain on a piece of clothing that you love that like, is just like that thing is like my favorite thing? You go to the store, you buy the greatest and latest. I mean, they tell you all money back, guarantee it'll take all the stains, and you try the new product that you got from the store you pay 20 bucks for, and nothing, nothing takes it off. You take it to the cleaners, and you get it back, and it's still there. Sometimes our lives have stains like that. And the heartache and the embarrassment and the headache is beyond what we can bear. Today, we're going to be closing up, wrapping up our series on the life of Moses. And we're going to see that God can treat all of our stains in our lives. The title of the message is this, Hope Beyond Our Failures. Hope Beyond Our Failures. If you have your Bibles, turn to Numbers chapter 20, verse 10. So everybody, I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 20, verse 10. 10. If you follow along, you're going to remember the message a little bit better. If you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you to download the YouVersion app, Numbers 20, verse 10. As you're turning there, I want to show you a clip that I showed you about a month ago from Ryan's story. And there's, there's a purpose. I told the media team, I said, I want, you to sh I, want, I want to show you this clip because there's something that Ryan said. I did not ask her to say it. Uh, I was not thinking of life groups. You know, today we've been promoting life groups for four weeks. Today is the last week we're going to promote it. We're done promoting it. I feel like, man, we put it out there. Now it's on your, it's you, it's up to you whether you want to join a life group or not. But I want you to hear about two minutes into her conversation, her telling her story. I want you to hear what she says about sharing her struggle with and who she basically decides to share her struggle with. With. So can we guys play that? Can we play the, the clip? A couple years ago, I felt the Lord telling me that it was time to stop drinking. And I didn't want to, and I didn't know what that would look like, and I was scared of what it would mean for my relationships, my social relationships, my friendships. Um, I've always been the fun friend, and I've always been not a party girl, but I've, I've always been the life of the party and I was worried that if that was gone that I wouldn't be anymore. But I would come to church and we would be worshiping and I would feel the Lord telling me like, okay, it's time to stop. You need to stop drinking. You need to stop drinking wine, specifically wine. Um, and finally in October of 2019, I was done. and. Um, I remember I had to go pick my husband up from the airport. He had been out of town and so the night before that I had drank wine with some girlfriends and I wasn't feeling very good the next day and I had to drive to Dallas and the whole way there the Lord was like, okay, you're done. You're done. Let's move on. So I picked Justin up and I said, I think I'm 
think I'm done with alcohol for a while. And I wouldn't say that I wasn't ever gonna drink again because I, I don't like absolutes, but I knew in my heart that it was different, um, that there was a change happening. And so I remember it was like two weeks later, we were at Life Group and I shared with them that I was done and that was weird because you had to be very vulnerable and it's hard to share with the people that you're doing life with that there was a problem. Um, but it wasn't a problem like I wasn't drinking all day, I wasn't hiding it, I wasn't like, I didn't have alcohol in my car, um, but it was in the evening, I wanted a glass of wine and then I wanted another glass of wine and then the bottle would be gone and that would be it and then the next day it would be the same so after that um, I realized that the culture around me had been had been okay with it like it's the mommy wine culture that you read about the once you like something on social media like the the mommy needs vodka Facebook page if you like one of their funny things well then it it shows up all the time and then you think everybody's doing the same thing and you think that's just normal. It's normal for in the evenings for a mom to drink wine. And it's normal for in the evenings a mom to drink a lot of wine, but it's not. Um, but it was still affecting my life. It was affecting my decisions. It was affecting the way I parented or didn't parent. It was affecting my relationship with my husband um, and my business because as soon as six o'clock hit and I was making dinner, I was having a glass of wine, which meant I wasn't available to my clients anymore. And so that part of it has been huge for me, knowing that, especially my older daughter who's 16, knowing that she sees the difference in me as a mom where before I was disconnected and now I'm not. And now I'm involved, I know what's happening in her world and I'm engaged and that's pretty cool. Through all of this, God has shown me that he'll clean up my mess. Um, I can bring it to him and he'll give me the tools to clean it up. He doesn't do the work for me but he gives me those tools. And so um, even since then, uh, you know, you, you quit one thing and then you find something else to, to create an issue with. And so um, I had gained quite a bit of weight because when I quit drinking, I started eating candy and I stopped working out. And so I had gained like 60 pounds and um, God put someone else in my path to help me through that. And through each of those seasons, like you pray for it, and the tools are given to you to, to get out of it. And the people that God puts in your path are there to help you through it and to hold you accountable and to lift you up when you fall down and to say, like, it's okay, I'll drink seltzer with you too, or you don't have to feel awkward about this, it's fine. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, just leaning on the people around me has been huge. Um, my name is Ryan and this is my story. You know, life, life is hard. Life is hard. 
And for some of us, it may be alcohol. For some of us, it may be the kids that are growing up and it's that stage of life. For some of us, it may be finances or debt or it may be a health situation. It may be that your parents are not doing too good. It may be that the kids are kind of going you know, down the wrong path. But I can, I can tell you this. Life, life is hard. And all of us, whether it's alcohol or addiction or, or just your, your schedule or lack of margin, all of us need in our lives people around us that are going to lift us up, that are going to pray for us. And that's what, we call, that's what we call life groups here at LifePoint, okay? And I, I've said it multiple times. If you have to choose, because the number one excuse is I don't have time. And what I tell people is you don't have time not to do life with people that are going to, because life will happen and maybe things are good right now, but you will need a support group. You will need a, a group of people that won't judge you, won't point fingers, but they'll come around you and they'll lift your arms and they'll pray with you and they'll, they'll listen to what she said. I don't know if you picked up on it. She said, I never told her. This was months before we were going to start promoting life groups, okay? And this is what she said about her life group. She says, the people that God puts in your path are there to help you through it, whatever it is. You fill in the blank. To hold you accountable, okay? So life groups is not just a, a Bible study that we're doing, okay? That, there's, that's a huge part of it. Don't get me wrong, okay? But another part is, hey, how are you doing? Oh, good. No, no, no. Seriously, how are you doing? The people that God puts in your path are there to help you through it, to hold you accountable, to lift you up when you fall down. Leaning on the people around me has been huge. Now, I asked Randy, our, groups, our, our uh, life group's leader, he plays the drums uh, every Sunday. Uh, I asked him, hey, would you, could you give me some quotes? And he gave me, like, just from people that have experienced life groups, he gave me so many of them, I just, like, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, I was, like, I was having a hard time figuring out what, which ones to share with you. Uh, somebody said, I love the idea of getting together outside of church, out of, outside of the building. I've learned so much. Here's another one. This one broke my heart. She says, I was broken, alone, felt like a nobody, I was getting out of a domestic violence relationship. What I love about life groups is the love that I, I have been shown. That's church, folks. Yes. I love, here's another person, I love that we can be truly real and do life together. One more. We love developing new authentic relationships in smaller community. It feels like the New Testament church. That's what the Bible says. They met in the temple courts and they met from house to house. We overcomplicate church, but it's very simple. They met once a week, temple courts, big corporate worship, and then they met weekly from house to house. As we grow larger in size, and I believe that you know, in spite of COVID and everything that has happened the last year, I believe our church is going to grow. You know, I, I see a lot of posts of people remembering 9-11. I see a church, and if I can just brag a little bit on my church, I love my church. I see not just a post from LifeWoman, but I see people going into the community and loving the first responders and saying, look, we're not, yeah, let's give it up for our first responders. 
No, we're not just we're not just going to we're not just going to do a little. Anybody can do a little post. Remember in 9/11, but it takes a real church to go to take a step and be the church. And so this is it. Final encouragement challenge. Join a life group. Your life will never be the same. How do you do that? Very simple. You can pick up your phone and text the word CONNECT to our number. If you're here in the room, you have the number right in front of your chair. You have the number, our church's number. Online, I think the, they're going to put that. There you go. You can uh, text the word CONNECT. If you're, if you're watching online, just that's our phone number. Who's going to get my number? Who's going to find this text? It, that goes to me and Pastor Nicholas. Okay, we get that. If you have a personal prayer request, we get that. Okay, if you will have questions about, man, I don't know the time. I don't know what to do or how to do it. We'll walk. You, with you we'll encourage you we'll figure it out with you all right today we're finishing up our series on the life of Moses one of those stains that Moses had that he could not get rid of no matter what was his anger everybody say the word anger with me anger he had a temper he had a temper Earlier in his life, if, you were, if you've been coming throughout the whole series, the first week, I think I talked about how he killed an Egyptian man, okay? I mean, like, this is, this is the man that God's going to use, punched the living out, out of him, literally, and try to cover it up. Now, of course, you know, God, you can't cover any sin from God, and so God puts him on a little bit of a timeout for 40 years. He's in the, the desert, okay? It's like, timeout, Moses. You know, this is a big no-no. I, I know your heart, okay? And it's a heart that he wanted to do something about the injustice that was going on. But you're doing it your way. I want you to do it my way. And so I'm going to put you through a little bit of training. So for 40 years, he's in the desert. And, and he's, you know, God is refining him. He's taking care of a flock that was not even his. And, you know, he goes from being royalty to being a shepherd, okay? Later... Okay, we're talking about Moses' temper. Later, God gives him the Ten Commandments. He comes down from the mountain, and the people, they've gone wild. They've, they've formed this golden calf. They're worshiping it now. And Moses, again, still dealing with his anger, which I love because God uses imperfect people. All right, next year, we're going to do a series, Flawed. And the, the, the theme behind the series is chosen by God how God chooses imperfect people to do his will so he comes down from the mountain and what does he do with the ten commandments the ones that like he wrote God wrote him with his own finger he smashes the tablets okay so he's still dealing with his anger uh, another person uh, portion of scripture in the Bible no the place it says and I'm quoting Moses went out in fury Today, the passage that we're looking at, Numbers 20, verse 10, we're going to see that he takes a staff, this is the staff of God, and he's going to strike a rock. He gets so angry at the people, he's going to just hit this rock, okay, more than once. And I want us to look at it. By the way, the way you deal with anger can be in a positive way or it can be in a negative way. Some people just bottle it up, right? You just get angry and you bottle, and then they just explode like a, like a shaken like a soda can that's been shaken, right? They just, you just swallow it, swallow it, you know, you bottle it up, bottle it, and then eventually, bah! okay? That's not the best way to handle it, okay? That's the way sometimes I handle anger. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just being honest with you, okay? I just go, bah! ballistic, okay? Um, some people, like, they bottle it, you know? They just keep putting up, putting up with the junk, 
and then they, their hearts get bitter, okay? That's not a good way to handle anger either, okay? Um, some people do it a little bit better. They, uh, sometimes they listen to music and let themselves cool down a little bit so they don't react immediately. Sometimes they use meditation. Sometimes they'll talk to people, a counselor, a pastor, a friend, somebody in their life group, and they vent and they get it out. Some people um, write down their emotions. It's a great way to get it out. So there's positive and negative ways to handle your anger. What I want us to do today is I want you to see how Moses handled it, okay? We're going to learn from his mistakes because it, it, it got physical, let me put it that way. But I want you to see how God dealt with him as well, okay? So we are <clears throat> in Numbers 20, verse 10, a little bit of context. They're about to cross the promised land, okay? They're, like, they're on the verge. Um, they, uh, the 10 spies have already gone in. They've come back. We talked about this last week. Their report is we're like grasshoppers. We cannot conquer the people. We shouldn't go. Um, Moses, and they've been always complaining. Moses just wants us dead. Um, you know, this is, and this is almost like, I mean, you got to give it up for Moses a little bit too, right? Like give him a little bit of grace. This is sort of like the last drop on his cup. Um, they're wanting a new leader. Um, they, some of them want to go back to Egypt. And so this has been years of him putting up with the people okay they're complaining this time the specific complaint now is that they're thirsty all right they're thirsty okay and so Moses pretty much loses it but listen to what God says God tells Moses go speak to the rock and water will come out but Moses strikes the rock so let's begin verse 10 says this then Moses summoned the people to come and gather at the rock all right then he says this the Bible says listen you rebels he shouted can you, can you feel like he's hot right <laughs> maybe I should do that line when I, my kids don't behave right I just thought of that like listen you rebels they can't tell me I'm having anger issues or maybe they could because Moses you know alright so maybe not Listen, you rebels, he shouted. So he's not like, hey, guys, let's come gather at the rock. No, no, like he's mad. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with a staff. Have you ever been so angry that you take it out on something? You know, you hit, you punch a wall, you hit a door, you know, you throw something, you grab your phone, and no, none of you guys do that. I know, I know you guys are all saints. Nobody does that. He raised his hand and struck the rod twice with his staff, and then water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their field. Four lessons that we can learn from his mistakes. Number one is this. Moses took personal credit for what God had done. So if you read the whole story, you'll see that this is not the first time that God had used Moses to bring water out of a rock, okay? This had actually happened years earlier. Now, this was, uh, this was not Moses' miracle. This was God's miracle. He was just using Moses. But Moses takes credit, and he get, there's a little bit of pride in the air, and he, he kind of, he, you know, Verse 10, right? Must we bring water from this rock? Well, hey, buddy, you, you're not going to do anything. You know, God's going to do it through 
you. And so here's where you see him, you know, hit that rock twice. Now, here's the point that I want to make. God wants to use you. Every single person in this room or watching online, God wants to use you. He wants to, he wants to use you to bring comfort and encouragement to people. He wants to use you in ways that you sometimes don't even, like you're not, like you don't even know, you're not planning to do it. Like one of the things that I always tell our church is you are plan A. Like you are the hope of the world. Like, I know Jesus is the hope of the world, but, but he says it's up to you, it's up to me. Like we are, if we don't do it, if we don't bring the hope, if we don't share the gospel, if we don't do what we did yesterday, every day of our lives, then what's the point? And God looks at you and he says, you're plan A. There's no plan B. There's no backup plan. So he wants to use you, but he wants to get all the glory. So it's okay to say, okay, God, use me. Increase my influence. That's okay to pray that. God, in increase my, my position at this company. Lord, I want to have, I want to be able to lead more people. God, increase my, my leadership skills. You know, kind of reminds me of the prayer of Jabez. Remember Jabez in the Bible? He said, he said, God bless me. There's nothing wrong with praying that. God bless me. Enlarge my territory. God, I want your hand to be on me. God, keep me from evil so that I don't hurt people, so I don't get anybody upset, so that I don't harm anyone. And the Bible says that God granted his request. So, so that tells you there's nothing wrong with that prayer. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But when God decides to use you and he says okay you're up buddy and he chooses you make sure that you give him all the glory let me give you a biblical illustration if you fast forward into the new testament in in acts if you want the reference acts 14 acts chapter 14 you have paul and barnabas and they're they're preaching okay so they're going from town to town they're teaching god's word and they see this man who was a cripple the bible says he had been crippled since birth okay and he a man of faith and paul god uses paul to heal this man and paul says stand up there's a bunch of people watching okay and paul says stand up the guy jumps up to his feet and the crowd like they go wild they don't like what they had never seen anything like this in fact this is there in a town called Lystra, and this is what they say. They decided, actually, let me back up a little bit. It says they shouted in their local dialect, and this is what the crowd said, okay? So here's this man who's been crippled for years since birth, right? God says, stand up. He stands up. The crowd is like, whoa, they, they can't. They begin to shout in their own dialect. The Bible says, and here's what they say. These men, talking about Paul and Barnabas, are God's in human form and they decided that Barnabas was the Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes and they begin to bring sacrifices because they felt like this had never happened before they had never seen anything like this and they begin to bow down they begin to worship them and watch I think the verse is on the screen watch what, they, what Paul says to these people friends why are you doing this we are merely human beings just like you we've come to bring you the good news so that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living god so what do they do do they take the credit do they allow the people to put them on a pedestal you know and all of a sudden men you know look yeah that was good that's right you know no 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 they said no 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 we're just like you we're just like you and they 
don't get the credit. They allow God to take all credit. So here's what I'm trying to say. When God blesses you with good kids, it's not because of your parenting skills. When God blesses you with, you know, you fill in the blank, right? With health, you know, it's not because you follow a great diet. When God blesses you with a pay raise or when God blesses you with skills and talents and then, and then you get, man, and God's using you and there no, people are praising you and there's like, man, there, there he goes, there she goes, man. Give him the credit. First mistake that Moses makes is he took credit for something that actually God had done. The Bible says every good gift comes from above. Anything good in your life is from our Heavenly Father. Make sure you recognize it in humility. Give Him credit. Number two, so Moses, number one, he took credit for what God had done. Number two, Moses disobeyed God. That's clear. It's not on the screen, but in your Bibles, if you look in verse 8, very clear. God says, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Doesn't say strike the rock. He says, speak. Very clear, very specific. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to know. Why speak to the rock? Well, the rock represented um, God himself. So the Bible says that God is our rock. He's our salvation. He's our everlasting hope. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, it says, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. So the rock was, so God says, speak to the rock, don't strike the rock. It represented God. And then Moses, we know, because of his anger, he had anger issues, strikes the rock, not once, but twice, because he's so angry. And anger is something, let me just say this, because I think uh, I want you to understand this from God's word. Anger is something that you have to control. The Bible doesn't say that you can never be angry. There is such thing as righteous anger. In fact, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. Okay? So there are times when you see injustices in life, and you better be angry. There is such a thing as a righteous anger. Okay? But what the Bible does say is nothing should ever control you other than God and His Spirit in your life. So your emotions should not control what you do. Okay? And a lot of times, the reason why we get angry is because our, our reactions, not our actions, our reactions get the better part of, of, our, of who we are. And so God says, God says, make sure that you're in control. And Moses, he does not have any control. He does not speak to the rock. He's angry. Okay? So you must keep your anger under control. We need to keep it under control, especially in, your, in marriage, right? Like an easy, easy way to lose your anger is with your spouse, okay? It's the people that you love the most, usually is the ones that we get angry. A lot of times I have young people come to me and they ask me to do premarital counseling. And, um, and I, love, I love doing premarital counseling. And um, sometimes... Like, what I do is I ask them a bunch of questions. I give them questionnaires, lots of homework. Ask them to do it separately. Come together, and we talk about it. Just, I just want to see if they're compatible, you know, um, and make it as practical as I can make it. And one of the questions that I always ask is, uh, tell me about your last fight, you know? And then you're usually, you know, how long have you been dating? How long have you been together? Blah, 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 you know, all of that. But usually, I get to... Tell me about your, and then it's funny, you know, when they, when they, well, we don't really fight that much. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, we just love each other, you know, that, that, they're in that stage. Um, fantastic, you know? So no fight, you know, how long have we been together? Well, we've been there like a year and a half, and not, not a single 
time when you've argued each other, you know, with each other? And I say, you're not ready. And they look at me like, I'm not going to marry you. What? Because I believe that every couple should learn to deal with conflict resolution. If you're telling me you've never fought, you guys got to get into a fight, you know? And that's kind of bad, you know, bad counseling. Go and get into an argument, you know? But the point is that, you know, you need to figure out how she or how he's going to react when life doesn't go their way. Every couple needs to know how to deal with conflict resolution, how to apologize. A lot of times, um, man, I, people apologize and such, they do such a poorly job, right? Like, oh man, I'm so sorry if I offended you. What? I'm so sorry. If you offended me? Are you kidding me? I'm so sorry. You just, you're so sensitive, you know? That's not an apology. Are you kidding me? So here's an apology. An apology is, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. It's simple, all right? Say it with me. Repeat after me. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Now turn to your spouse and say, I'm sorry. And I'm just like... <laughs> So simple, so hard. Moses can't control his temper. God says, verse 12, but the Lord said to Moses, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I am giving them. In other words, Moses, you're not going to take them in, which is kind of sad, right? Like you've been preparing all of your life for this. You were this, Moses. You don't get to go in. Here's the last one. Or not the last one. I got two more. Man, I, get, I better hurry. Number one, Moses took credit for what God had done. Number two, Moses disobeyed God. Number three, bad decisions bring bad consequences. Bad decisions in your life produce bad consequences. It's just, it's just a fact. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, I'm just, you know, that's a, it's a good advice for anybody. Jesus says that, he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I don't know exactly what that entails, but he says, blessed are the meek, not the weak, so there's a dif difference. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, Moses was a meek individual. There's another verse in Deuteronomy that says that, but in this instance, there was no meekness to what he did. Let me kind of illustrate what meekness is. Imagine that you are in your 30s. You're at the beach. You have your daughter, your son, and you're building a sandcastle, okay? And you're not like a super strong person. You're kind of a skinny individual, not, you know, you don't work out short, you know, and you're not really that strong. And this guy comes and is like huge, you know, bodybuilder. Like, you know, you can tell a guy is pretty strong. And he comes and steps on your sandcastle that you're building with your kids and kicks it and looks at you, doesn't really say anything, doesn't apologize, but the look says it all, right? The look is like... What are you going to do, you know, you skinny little boy, you know? And you're like, if I try to do something, this guy will turn me into a pretzel, so I better not. And you say nothing. Not flip the script. The same thing happening. You're at the beach with your daughter, building this beautiful sandcastle. Somebody comes, kicks it. But this time, you're a Navy SEAL or a special ops, so you got some training, some special arms under your belt, Okay. And you could, you could do whatever you want to this person, but you do nothing. That's meekness. Strength under control. Does that make sense? Moses, in this case, was not a meek, did not behave in a meek way. 
The Bible says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not, human anger does not produce, I like that word, the righteousness that God desires. In other words, bad decisions in your life produce bad consequences. It's not God's fault. A lot of times we blame God for the consequences of our actions. It's not God's fault. So number one, Moses took credit for what God had done. Number two, God, Moses disobeyed God. Three, bad decisions produce or bring bad consequences. And we'll close with this one. I'm going to ask our worship team to get on stage. Number four, Moses, don't miss this one, okay? Moses was not known for his mistakes. I love the beauty of a God's grace because there's nothing that you can ever do that will put you outside the reach of God's grace. You get that? Let me say it again. There's nothing you'll ever do that will put you outside the reach of God's grace. And what I love about this is that, you know, we tend to focus on like, oh, man, poor little Moses. He did not enter the promised land. You know, and we kind of hang in there. But what you have to understand is that what happens in Numbers 20, verse 10, is not the whole story. What happens in, in, in Numbers chapter 20, verse 10, is not the, it's not the life of Moses. It was one time thing. And the same way it is in your life, what happens in your life, the mistakes that you've made, the regrets that you have, that's not the whole story. Now we focus, right? Man, Moses, he did not make it to, to the promised land. But I want you to look at it from a little bit of a different perspective today. Just wanna, I want you to look at it from a little bit of a different angle, okay? And I could be wrong, but just, just play along with me for a moment. What if Moses not entering the promised land was actually part of God's grace? I mean, we know that he was pretty fed up with the people, right? Like at times, Moses had said, like, take my life. Like, I'm done. I cannot stand these people. What if Moses, what if this was actually God saying, you know what? The promise of heaven is actually greater than any promised land that I can offer you. And this is it. You know, this is it. And God was actually leading through Moses through grace. Now we look at it, right? And we say, oh, poor little Moses. He did not enter the promise. He did not make it all those years. But what I see in Scripture, you read Scripture. I challenge you. What I see in all, every verse that I read about Moses after this incident is totally different. Let me highlight a couple. Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, talks about the next leader, Joshua, is his name, after Moses dies, right? The Bible says he was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses' hand was on him. Deuteronomy 34, verse 10, there has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. You fast forward to Hebrews chapter 11, the, the chapter of, like, it's sort of like the, the hall of fame, right, for the Hebrews, Hebrews of the biblical heroes of the Bible. There's not a single record of his mistakes. Not a single. By faith, Moses went to Pharaoh. By faith, Moses led the people through the Red Sea. By faith, Moses left Egypt. By faith, this. But we tend to say, focus on, oh, 
He did not make it to the promised land. We're so earthly minded. Did not make it to the promised land. Maybe, maybe not. That's one record. In Matthew 17, Jesus goes up the mountain. The Bible says that he transfigured himself. We don't really know what that means, but he showed his divine nature. His face would look like the sun. His clothes look like bright white. There's two people that show up. Remember, Jesus brought Peter, James, and John, and John, like his closest disciples, you know, brought him up the mountain. And they see two people. One was Elijah. Who was the other one? Moses. Where were they? Israel. Promised land. Moses made some mistakes. But I'm thankful that our God is a God of second chances. Moses was not known for his mistakes. Some of you think that God is out to get you. He's mad at you. I want you to know God is not out to get you. God is madly in love with you. We all have our stains. And some of you, you've been looking at me, and you're like, you've been so distracted the whole message. One in the word he spilled mustard. Who has mustard for breakfast? <laughs> Left it there to make a point. Don't allow your mistakes, your stains, distract you from what God wants to accomplish in your life. The Bible says that he's faithful. He's faithful. He gets the glory. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Jose, would you, guys, would, you come, would you come up here for a second? I asked him to do this. You guys give it up, Jose. Thank you, man. Appreciate you being here, buddy. I love this guy. A um, couple years ago, I don't really know how long time just flies by. You know, sometimes I kind of lose track. And by the way, in a couple of weeks, he's going to tell his story. We're going to have baptisms. You're going to get to hear his story. Two weeks, September 26th. Um, just put in a plug there. If, if you want to get, if you've never been baptized of your own accord, like your own will, like I got baptized when I was a baby. I was, I was baptized when I was 12 to please my mom. If you've never gotten baptized because like you want to be a Jesus follower, you want to wear the Jesus jersey, like this is it. This is your chance, okay? So a couple of years uh, ago, this guy um, was in trouble. Like, not like little trouble, like big time trouble, okay? Uh, he was doing meth. He was in trouble with the authorities. He, um, and many other things we won't mention. About a year ago, I think, he gave his life to Christ. He got back. Pastor Nicholas baptized him. You, you'll hear the story. You'll hear the whole thing in, in two weeks. So come back. But um, I just want you to know those things you did, that's not who you are. Amen. You're not going to be known in heaven for those things. Because you have a faithful God who will forgive, who will treat every stain. I don't care. His grace is sufficient for all of us. And so, I know you know that. But your life right now gets to be your, your story is his story as long as you surrender. You guys give it up for Jose. Thank you, buddy. So I'll close with this. I'm way over my time.
I'll close with this, with heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't know where you're at today. I know where God is. Joshua 14, 6 says that Moses was remembered as the man of God. I'm quoting scripture. He was not remembered for his mistakes. He was remembered not for the stains, not for his anger. He was remembered as the man of God. So if I was to interview your family and ask them, is your dad a man of God? What would they say? If I was to interview your, your mom, your family, and ask them about your mom, is she a woman of God? Is your, I love that. Amen to that, whoever said that. That's cool. We had, we had a child said yes, for those of you watching online. If you don't know, you can surrender. Say, Lord, just maybe baptism is your deal. Maybe you're from out of town and God's saying, this is it. Two weeks. You got two weeks. You know? Jesus doesn't make it difficult. You don't have to go through a class. You don't have to study theology. All you have to do is surrender and say, okay, God, I give you my life. If you're watching online, if you're here in the room and you want to make that decision, just text the word Jesus to our number. And we'll, we'll love to walk alongside you. Don't let your mistakes define you. Don't let your mistakes define you. Father God, we surrender whatever it is that's holding on to us. Whatever mistakes from the past, whatever junk that we're carrying with us. God, we are trusting your faithfulness for your name for your renown alone, God, we give ourselves to you and we ask, please forgive us. Help us to have faith in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.